Contract a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host Alex Lap. Alex, what's up, man? Well, not too much, Mike. But uh, I think this week we have an even better surprise than we had last week. Yeah, I'm normally at a pretty happy and excited uh, disposition when we're starting the podcast. Yeah. And if you've noticed, it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit new peak uh, today because we are shaking <laughs> things up, bringing a guest into the fold, co-host of Commander Central Podcast, writer for EDHREC.com, and co-host of the EDHREC cast. Uh, joining us today is Dana Roach. Dana, what's up, man? Thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We appreciate it too. Uh, so for anybody listening to us that might not know uh, as much about you, which seems kind of silly seeing if they're listening to our podcast, there's a good chance they've heard about you. <laughs> um, what? Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in Magic? What's what's kind of drawn you to this uh, to this weird cardboard game that we play? Um, you gave a pretty good explanation of what I do, so so you've covered all of that right there. So thanks a lot for that. <laughs> it makes makes my life a little bit easier. Um, I, I, I'm a little bit older than I think than most Magic players. I'm in my 40s now. Um, so I actually started playing in high school way back. Like, there were still revised packs in some stores when I started playing. I had a, a buddy that, that was a year or two older that went off to college and came back the following summer with Magic. So he introduced a couple of us, of his younger friends, to the game. And that's kind of how I got sucked in way back when and then at one point in time a couple years later I had a, a roommate when I was in college that kind of had a nervous breakdown and stole a bunch of stuff from all the rest of the roommates in the house including my magic collection and, oh, and, oh and sold it to a pawn shop for you know fifty dollars or for something pennies, yeah. right um, and at that point I'm like I'm just not I'm just done I'm not gonna try to rebuild the stuff I had how um, awful so yeah and, and it could have been worse, actually, not to get too far off track here, but one of the roommates, he actually, you know, all the junk credit card applications you get in the mail, he actually filled all of those out and, and wound up bankrupting one of the other roommates. So I guess grand scheme of things, losing magic cards compared to holy cow, getting wow. bankrupted by like, you know, 20 grand in credit card that you didn't know you had. Um, I, I guess I came across on the, uh, on the on the better end of that transaction, grand scheme of things. Um, is you know, so I guess I, I want to be positive about it. Um, so then I just didn't play. I like I took off, you know, for a long period of time. And so then I, I had a, a coworker who who played Magic, and over the course of conversation, you know, he he found out that I had used to play. And he kept trying to encourage me to oh, come back. We'll, we'll just you know play sixty card fun format. And between that and then his encouragement and then one year um, around that time returned to Ravnica ish I think that Christmas I got a um, iPad for my wife for Christmas so that like looking through the app store that was when Duel the Planeswalkers the game was available mm. and I'm like ah, I'll put Duel the Planeswalkers on the, on the tablet and play a little bit of that and that re-hooked me back in so I you know had a, had a co-worker I could play with over lunch I put together a 60 card deck and you know, within two or three weeks of looking up cards for that, I discovered there's this thing called Commander. And that was kind of right up my alley. So I just started building decks and kind of didn't look back from there. That's very cool. Alex, I, I'm i pretty excited here because I just found out that I have something in common with uh, Dana Roach. I was playing Magic in high school, and I stopped because on my way to a local game shop, literally got all of my cards stolen from me so i stopped playing for oh, a no. good amount oh, of my time gosh. <laughs> until i had until i had some roommates after i had moved and a couple years after college get me back into commander so there you go that's yeah. uh, hey some some kind of positive spin and neither of us is twenty thousand in debt uh because right of terrible <laughs> roommates. now i'm anxious because i'm the only one of the three that hasn't been mugged well so it, hey what's that you're gonna drop <laughs> I guess at that point, just don't go outside for. I already don't. Right. You're gonna, you're gonna worry about that. <laughs> yeah, tough, tough to get your card sold when you never leave the house. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, so that actually brings us to 
our main topic here and something that you brought up, people in your life bringing you towards uh, back towards magic and then specifically you discovering Commander. Alex and I have talked about it before. What are some of the main ingredients that you're looking for for a fun game of Commander? What is kind of the be-all, end-all, this is what I'm looking for, win or lose? So I'll preface this by saying, like, just because I like a certain thing, I don't want that to be a value judgment on something else. I, sure. I've had that happen sometimes, like this thing I like, and people are like, right, but what about this? I, the way someone else plays is of no consequence to me. As long as you're having fun and you're not causing other folks to not have fun, that's fantastic. Do what you want to do. I think we can agree with that on that on this podcast pretty well, too. <laughs> uh, um, so way back in the day when I was first playing, my friend that introduced us to Magic, um, he had a deck he called a Highlander deck, which was just a no-repeat deck with an indeterminate amount of cards. It wasn't like Cat that at 100, and there wasn't a commander. It was just a deck with no repeats. So we played 60-card formats, but we also would, you know, when we got together, that's what we used for multiplayer. We used these big stack of cards that, you know, at the time, of course, we're talking, like, up through Legends, so you didn't have that many options, but... I was familiar enough with with the format of Commander, um, or at least familiar with that kind of multiplayer singleton play when I came back to Commander, because it's always been kind of a thing in Magic. Um, so at least part of it, I think, is nostalgia for me, because okay. I remember you know, being at my friend's house that summer when I'm 18 years old, getting ready to go to college, or the following summer when I'm back home with my buddies, and... <laughs> Uh, in someone's rec room or on the floor in someone's bedroom playing with like three or four or five people laying on your stomach with like these ridiculous stupid singleton decks in front of us playing multiplayer games and someone casts um, like Shahrazad and you have to like move to a different <laughs> room and leave your you know leave everything on the floor and move to a different <laughs> oh, room no. because Shahrazad there was again so few cards that like Shahrazad was a card people had access to and played and someone would use Ring of Maruf which was a card from Arabian Nights where you could get a card from outside the game and go back to the previous room to get the to get the Shahrazad to cast it in the second sub game so like the nostalgia of just the stupid ridiculous stuff and being that age was the first draw for me to Commander. So I'll start with that. Like that's what attracted me to the format. It reminded me of those those fun games with my friends. And I think to a degree, I'm always kind of chasing that. I'm always trying to replicate, you know, the the silly games we played when we were just learning magic and not even entirely sure of the rules necessarily playing on the floor in someone's rec room. Those Halcyon days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what I'm looking for in a game, though, I want everyone to be having fun and enjoying themselves. I want to see some dumb things happen. Um, I want to see the game go back and forth. I, I like Ideally, everyone at one point has that moment where they feel like they might win. And the whole table is like that flock of birds you see that's flying north where like there's you know 50 birds and they just all of a sudden turn one direction and then turn the next direction as as a group. Yeah. I like when the pod does that. Like one person like takes a takes a, a a lead and everyone like swivels and then that person gets knocked down a peg and everyone swivels to the next person who's taken that brief lead and eventually somebody pulls it off. Like I think that's that to me is is what I enjoy from a game. It's that kind of back and forth and and seeing those silly things happen and everyone has a chance to feel like they might pull it out until somebody finally does. Absolutely. When when we had our episode about what we enjoyed in, in a game of Commander and made it fun, that was one of the main things we talked about as well, that everybody has a chance to have their deck functioning. Everybody has a chance sort of to be the arch enemy, if only for a little while. Mm -hmm. And nobody's just sort of sat out in the corner. Their deck's not working. They're starved for lands or they got knocked out on turn three. It's everybody just gets to have a good time, right? That's what we like to and also, I like it, and I don't want to, again, I'll throw this caveat out there. If you're someone who just, like, brews really simply or, you know, net decks, this is, this is no, I don't mean any disrespect to you sure. for doing it that way. Because I get it. If you don't enjoy something, why should you force yourself to? If you don't enjoy brewing, why 
should you be expected to brew? You know, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I love it when I see something I'm not ready for or see something super creative or, or see something unexpected. Um, I think the last event I actually got to play at before all of this COVID nonsense hit and, and the world came to a near end yeah. <laughs> was, was um, Magic Fest Chicago. And uh, a, a player pulled out an Atraxa horror tribal deck because Atraxa is an angel horror. Huh. And there's there's not many horrors in Magic, but this deck had like 22 different horrors and different ways to like buff creature types. It was it was an uh, it was amazing. It wasn't like the best deck ever, but like seeing a deck filled with horrors was such a cool thing. Like that's the kind of experience that I'm always looking for is is to stumble across that really interesting deck that's clearly kind of a passion project for somebody as well. Especially when you're going across the thousands upon thousands of cards at this point, and you know it feels like you see the the commonalities of the oh here's the Urza deck. Well, it's going to do the Urza thing kind of stuff, but right. that's really cool to see it attracts a deck that oh it's so open ended. But here's another one that you might not have expected. That's right. Sorry, I am slightly distracted just because it, I I'd heard Shahrazad before, and now I'm finally reading the card, <laughs> and I am. You haven't read Shahrazad. I think right? I did, and I repressed it because it made my brain hurt. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, That's a lot. So yes, the, um, <laughs> magic, magic is wacky, guys. You know they unbanned that card from Vintage at the time. They just had to ban it again. I would believe it. Yeah. That would... Yeah. They're like, this probably isn't that bad. Oh. Bad. And you know, I, it was fun then. I don't know how much I would enjoy it today, but um, <laughs> it was definitely at the time. It was very interesting. I bet. And <laughs> it, the, the other quick cap, the other quick thing I'll throw out there too. Yeah, of course. I think with that Atraxa deck that was interesting, the the guy that was playing it was from Australia, if I remember correctly, and he was in Chicago going to grad school. So not only was it somebody that was playing this interesting deck, it was a person that I never ever would have met yeah. if it wasn't for the fact that we were playing Commander at this event. So it's like like that 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 to me is also really makes it meaningful. So I get to encounter people in these games a lot of times that I just would never run into in my day-to-day -day life. So the combination of everyone having a fun time, everyone feeling like they've got a chance to win at some point, and seeing how it veers in different directions with the big splashy plays and the blowouts and mm -hmm. the interaction with people that either, A, it's another activity that you guys can enjoy your time with together, or the ability to connect with people on a premise that you wouldn't be able to without the actual game itself yes yeah that's a really good way to to put it and and i do i, I do enjoy i i don't want to paint myself as like somebody who's like just in it for the experience either like sure. i, I, I want to win I, yeah. I, I definitely love winning that's that's a good time too but also i would rather win like i want to win my way if i have to choose between between winning a way that i don't find enjoyable and losing a game i will just lose a game like i mm -hmm. if, if i can't win the way that i want to win then it's then it no longer becomes then like then the win is not important either, right? It, it it there's a certain point where I can play this, but the fun play would be this. Let's do that, right? Like technically, this deck might be better. Like I, I have I have a mono white um, planeswalker deck. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, technically that deck's probably better off with like ten or twelve board wipes in it. Things that don't hit my planeswalkers and keep everyone's creatures off the board, and I can rack those planeswalkers up to ultra range and eventually you know close the game out just through value. But that's miserable. Like, right. I, I don't want to have people sit through me board wiping every turn either. So, so you know, that's something I definitely bear in mind quite a bit when I'm, when I'm brewing. So you have that same impulse that's, that we have, and I think that many Magic players have, which is uh, reining in the power of your deck so that the table has a more enjoyable time. Definitely. I definitely try to yeah. bear that in mind. And also, like, there's been a ton of times I've taken decks apart or at least fundamentally change them when I've got to the point when I've played the deck and realized, oh, this makes for not the best play experience, so I need to figure out either how to make it better or maybe it's just not going to work. Tuning down, as it were, to either sure take care of the yeah. table or just just so you're not doing the same thing every time. Uh, because, yeah. it man, it's real easy to do a lab man combo or to bring out Thoughts' sure. Oracle or something <laughs> along those lines. But... There's a bunch of different ways to win. I, I Helix Pinnacle is one of my favorite ways to win when Hell I'm yeah. not using an infinite mana deck because I sure. think that's silly. I I like there to be an actual clock. Hey guys, I'm at 28. Just letting you know. And yep. let's see Absolutely. if this works out. 
Yeah, see you in five ten. <laughs> well, I can appreciate that, Dana. It's 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 good to know that the main focus on playing the game and what brings you back into the game is that it's not just about ah, I am playing solitaire, I'm going to have fun because that's what I want to do, but that the fun is derived from the overall group enjoyment. The the thing that sets apart Commander from other games and especially even going into Magic itself is the group format of it. The being able to talk across the table, celebrate each other's wins and losses without immediately losing as a part of it. Uh, I just, I, man, I like Commander, guys. I like it a lot. <laughs> that's, that's what I think what brings, that's what brings people back to it in a way that other formats don't, I think. It's that, yeah, that, that communal experience absolutely is, is something that a lot of people relish, myself included. I think that's why I've had more of a problem playing Magic Online because so much of the experience for me is just that being around people and enjoying yourself in person, which right now really is not possible. Yeah, um, you know, the the webcam thing is really, really nice because we haven't mm. had any options. Um, and and one advantage I like a lot is, is the fact that, you know, hey, it's a Thursday night and my wife went to bed early because she didn't sleep great last night and it's nine o'clock and I have nothing to do. I can just play a game of Commander right now, and I don't have to like you know put on pants and go to my LGS and <laughs> which is a you know fifteen minute drive and and whatever. I can just quick jump online and find somebody and play a game and be done. Um, the instant gratification aspect is super super nice, but I absolutely miss going to my shop and and right. seeing my friends and doing all the things that come with that for sure. So I, I'm really looking forward to having the chance to do that again. But I also think I'm still going to play some um, some webcam commander just because the the instant gratification aspect of that is really really useful. The, isolating the major villain of going to the LGS pants. Ah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And there are several ways to play EDH online. Is that the one that you prefer, uh, Dana? The webcam experience because there's also the cockatrice mtgl all those other options yeah i've been most i've exclusively been doing spell table on webcam mm -hmm. in part because okay. edh recast we, we do a stream on uh, twitch tv on wednesday nights um so i have a setup right here it's easy for that so it just it doesn't make sense for me logistically to do something different when i have everything ready to go i can just you know jump on spell table find a game and and, and do that very very easily yeah i think that's i think that's been a big part of the recent boom too i mean it's 2020 for all intents and purposes a good year for a lot of things for magic and a terrible year for just about everything else but the boom of seeing content creators and seeing people play online and doing the you know the four squares of of actual paper magic still when you weren't able to get to your lgs it's it's been pretty cool i i, I like that as the game continues to try and grow and reach more players, whether it's magic or outside that it's adapting, it's doing as much to bring as many people into the fold for, you know, the kind of fun that I'm happy to say all three of us like to have. So that's pretty neat as far as I'm concerned. Well, you mentioned the content creator thing that that is also something that's definitely with COVID and in the last year, We've seen an explosion of people doing different things, whether it's, you know, their own podcast or their YouTube mm -hmm. show or, or you know, their, their weekly stream with, with guests. Um, that's been a really, I think, um, gratifying to see as well, to see how many people want to make things in this sphere. Yeah. Um, and n not that I want to try to be like the silver lining of COVID because there isn't one, but no. I'm glad to see people have at least found a way to get a creative outlet and do something interesting with the, the, the additional time they have stuck indoors. Right. I mean, you're, you're talking to two people that yeah. very specifically because of the situation started, um, we had talked about it for a while and then just kind of mm -hmm. came to the conclusion of, well, if not now, when? And I think right. that uh, I think that's hit hard with a lot of people, and it's it's been real fun. It's been a real interesting experience, and discovering how much is out there, and still how much is completely, uh, pardon the pun, untapped uh, for everything. Because, Jesus, I mean, there I, I didn't even mean to. It just happened. I'm sorry. Um, but like, as as much content as there is, there's also content for the 
attracts a horror deck that you don't yeah. expect. So there's so many different directions that it goes. And it's just, I, I mean, you, you've been at the forefront of it for a good amount of time here. And we, I, that's part of why we were so excited to have you on and talk about this game that we like so much. Yeah, it, it's the, the waves. Like when I first started doing this, you know, obviously Command Zone was out. Um, I think Commanderin was still running. They, they don't put up many episodes anymore, but they, they mm-hmm. were running and, and relatively prolific. Um, Commander's Brew, which is Andy Hull's show up in Canada, yep. they were running. And those were really the three main shows that were going, that were doing like podcast kind of stuff. Um, so it was a it was a real open field, and that's when I started doing stuff with Commander Central and um, CCO uh, Commander Crookout up in Canada in in Winnipeg was started their show roughly the same time, and um, Commander Crookout down in Austin, and there's a couple guys in Utah, um, Legendary Creature, and we the four of us all roughly started doing stuff kind of in the second wave, and they're all still making content. And now, since then, there's been a real swell in like the last, like I said, the last year-ish of, of other shows that have popped up. Because um, I remember, you know, two years ago, um, I, I walk into work, or at least I did then, um, and it's about a half-hour walk. So like I could put a podcast on, on speed and a half and get through a podcast on my walk-in. And I, I would go through all the Commander content out there in a week, like you know, I would listen right. to Command Zone and and, and and Commander's Brew and listen to CCO and listen to Legendary Creature and go through all of them over the course of my week. That's just not a thing anymore. <laughs> like, there's so many things, that, which but that's that's a good thing though. Like there are so many different choices for for the you know the the CEDH. I didn't even touch on the amount of CEDH shows out there too. There's just so much content that you can listen to anything that speaks to the way you want to play, and I think that's. That's fantastic. So good job being part of that. Yeah, I do the same thing on, I appreciate that, by the way, Um, do the same thing uh, going on runs and listen to a podcast or two before I discovered more of them. And then I realized that I had to stop because I would run and I'd carry this pad of paper if I decided I was going to listen to a commander podcast because they'd talk about a card that I went, oh, I hadn't heard about. Oh, that's a great synergy. And I would literally have to stop my run to take out a notepad, write this down, put it back into my bag, and then continue. And it got to the point where, okay, if I'm listening to seven, eight different podcasts, I, I need to at least be on a bike. I need to do something where I've got a table to work with. Otherwise, this right. isn't going to work for me. Yeah, I know that's uh, the... The command zone has expressed the basically the same sentiment that you were expressing, Dana. That when they started, there was nothing, and then there was them, and then all of a sudden there was everybody else. And I believe that I mean I won't speak for you. I believe you discovered our podcast the same way that basically I discovered yours a few years ago, which was there's no commander podcast. I'm going to type in commander into the podcast search and see what comes up. I'm like, oh, commander central. That sounds cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's and you guys were on like your fourth or fifth episode at that point, I think. Yeah, that that's essentially kind of what I've been doing, and I've also been trying to make sure I, you know, once a week ish, listen to something I hadn't listened to too, um, and and then try to like you know shoot a tweet out there about it as well, just because th- there were some people, and, and I, I was just on Magic with Zuby show this weekend, and I, and I gave the same anecdote, but I'll, I'll give it again just because he deserves props. Sure, um, Jumbo Commander DJ at Jumbo Commander. Mm-hmm. I was we were maybe 15 episodes into um, Commander Central at the time, and DJ listened to a show and did a retweet on it, and so I saw a really nice you know spike. Like our numbers at the time were relatively low. We're getting like you know 100 or 200 listens a week or whatever it wound up being, and they like they doubled just from DJ giving that shout out. And like doubling 100 to 200 or 200 to 400 isn't a huge leap, but it was a huge leap to me, and he didn't have to do that. Um, so that's one of the things I've got kind of try to do a little bit to the best of my abilities, at least is kind of try to pay that forward. He, he didn't have to help me out like that just by being a nice guy and listening to the show and, and, and supporting us that way. And he did, he was one of the first patron supporters I had as well. Um, and so I, I've always been immensely thankful for that. And, um, I try to pay it forward a little bit, um, any way I can. So. Um, that's one of the reasons I try to listen to, you know, something different. Um, and, and hit you guys in the cycle, I think last week or week before, and was really impressed with what a, uh, high quality show it was for the few amount of episodes you guys had put out. So good work. 
first of all, oh shucks, I, I I had very very quippy and funny things to say, and then you made me all teary eyed at the end. So I don't, <laughs> so thank you. I mean, we really do appreciate it, and I think kind of the recap what we've talked about so far. Magic is awesome. Commander is even better because of the types of play and the group aspect. If you want to have a good time with it, either be a long-standing player or stop and get your card stolen from you. And Shahrazad <laughs> is a terrible, terrible thing that exists. Um, exactly. And, and also doesn't, and then didn't, and came back, and now it's gone again in other form. Regardless, this is why we like talking about this game. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about a couple of cards that you probably don't know about, but you probably should. Uh, and then we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about some of the philosophies that are important to us as far as this podcast and kind of talk about a little bit, see if we can't uh, assuage some thinking. We'll be right back. Hey, it's present Mike filling in for past Mike. Our audio has gotten so much better. Thanks for sticking around with us. So we're going to talk about some cards that are really underplayed. We each think that we're bringing some really interesting cards to the table, and if you want to grab them or any other cards, you can help us out in the process. We have partnered with TCGplayer.com, so if you're looking for any singles, sealed product, deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, really anything to spice up your game experience, go to bit.ly slash EDH social or click on the link in our show notes. You don't pay anything extra, and you'll really help us out by buying all the things you are going to anyway. That's bit.ly slash EDH social or click the link in our show notes. Back to the show. Okay, moving on to our advice segment. Something old, something new. And typically this is something where I want to give some advice to the newer players. I want Alex to give some advice to more veteran players. And usually those pieces of his advice mesh pretty well in between just because, I mean, we're all playing the same game, at least to an extent. Um, but I, when you have a guest and you have a guest that's on as much stuff as they are, you give them the floor, you clear the way and let them drive to the hoop. So Dana, what is a piece of advice you'd like to give to commander players to help them enjoy their games more? This is almost more strategic advice, but it will help you enjoy your game more sure. too. And it's, it's not like a hardcore piece of strategy necessarily. I caught myself a couple of years ago, instinctively playing different decks the same way and one of the things I did was write a little cheat sheet down that I put in my deck boxes that I that was just stored next to my commander so when I pulled the deck out I would just look at it and remind myself oh yeah this deck I don't want to go hard on this deck tends to kind of play a little bit slower and don't worry about getting your like just four or five lines about how this deck plays specific to that deck so I didn't try to get in the habit of, you know, if I played my aggro-ish deck first, then my, I tended to play my next deck kind of aggro okay. regardless if that was logical for that particular deck. So I found that at least writing that little uh, kind of like post-it note and putting it in my deck box with a reminder of these are the three or four specific things about this deck, that was very useful to me to like kind of, oh yeah, don't play this the same way. And it also is kind of useful then if I lent that deck to a friend or something. Mm. So they would pull it out and be like, oh, I want to roll a little bit slower with this one, or oh, this is kind of a control oh. deck. So, so it also wound up being double useful if a friend of mine's like, hey, can I borrow a deck to place for something different? So I had that there as well. So as a piece of advice, I think that was worth the you know two minutes per deck it took me to write those little notes and put them in each deck box. Kind of like the back cover summary of a book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. it does. Man, that's... Yeah. That's pretty genius, uh, Dana, Dana. How many uh, how many decks do you do you have built right now? Yeah, I was asking that same question. Um, man, exactly. I'm not sure. I, I want to say ten. Maybe it's eleven. Maybe it's okay. nine. Somewhere in that range, I think I have For I, a reasonable I, number. Okay, we yeah, don't have to talk I, I about to play, it like that. Mike, <laughs> um, I, I tend to like mono mono or two color. I think I have one three color currently right now. And I don't have a Boros or a Red or Rakdos, so I guess you can do the math from right. there. I think that maybe <laughs> equals equals eleven. Um, so that's that's where I'm at right now. I'll eventually try to probably finish those colors. I just don't like three color enough to ever, you know, try to knock off all of those off the sure. list. So if I find something cool, I'll do it. If not, I, I won't. get that. I mean that that's actually extremely that's very good advice for me to take. Um, 
I'm, I'm running somewhere between 16 and 18 functional decks right now. He is sure. and, way too many decks. And, and again, I need to follow my own advice. There's a couple that run very similar styles. I've got two different equipment decks, but they run very different things like that. So actually looking at the deck list and saying, aha, so this deck does this and writing that down. So whenever I'm going from game one to game two, maybe I don't try and aggro out on my big mana, take some turns, do lots of ramp spells. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's pretty good. You need it for two different reasons because like Dana needs it to remind himself not to play like too spiky or to like help his friends. And Mike needs it because he has so many decks that he doesn't know how to play half of them. Right. <laughs> I mean, if it means anything, if I, if I had five decks, I'm still pretty sure that I'd only know how to play two of them well and then the other three are my happy-go-lucky hey what's this one do it makes big things i like big things hooray so that is excellent advice dana alluded to to something that's uh that i also do but i don't think everybody does which is that we're only building one deck of each color identity combination right like you don't have any you don't have multiple mono white decks you don't have multiple cynic decks yeah, because when you when you said that you said that you you hadn't found a way to make any specific three color work. I assume that your overall very distant plan is to have one for each color combination. Yes, I I, I have no overlap right now. Um, I was actually just thinking this week that like, well, technically, I, I can't remember what Demir Commander it was. I saw a new one this week. I'm like, oh, I could kind of build something with that. And I have a Demir deck, but it's a it's an artifact deck. So I'm like, well, whatever I built with this deck would have almost no overlap with you know my Demir artifact deck. So maybe I could do that, but that just felt kind of awkward. I don't know why. It's all in my head, but no. So I, I have no overlap, and I, I do not imagine I will do that anytime soon. I mean, that's, that's reasonable. You, you build what you want to build and why you want to build it. You don't build it just because you have to, right? Right. Otherwise, it's an obligation, and obligations aren't fun, and that's why we play. I mean, Exa some exactly. obligations are fun, but regardless. That's why we play Magic. So that's our advice this week from Dana, and it's very good advice. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to doing that later today because I'm the one on the West Coast, and I will have some free time after we're done recording. So moving on to our next segment here, uh, very excited about this are, ooh, can I see that? Where we're trying to find cards that are in the very, very low usage tier that are fun, weird, janky, whatever it is. Just the fact that they should be in more decks than they are and us trying to breathe life uh, into them to put them into the world more. And I'm going to start this week with a card that I misread a couple of times the first time that I looked into it, and I even liked it then. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with Hypergenesis. Now, this is a green sorcery with Suspend 3. One generic, two green. Rather than cast this card from your hand, pay one generic, two green, and exile it with three time counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter. When the last is removed, cast it without paying its mana cost. It reads, starting with you, each player may put an artifact, creature, enchantment, or land card from their hand into play. Repeat this process until no one puts a card into play. Now, the first time that I read this, I read it very, very specifically on the previous text and thinking that, okay, so I go and I play something. And then the player on my left can play something if they so choose. And it goes around the table until somebody doesn't play something. Not the fact that oh, I play this and everybody gets an opportunity. And as long as somebody played something, then we do it again. Then we do it again. Then we do it again. And this seems like it's bonkers in a deck that either gives a whole lot of card advantage, to, a whole lot of card draw, card advantage, uh, in decks where it's just permanence matter, which I've made of a weird subtype <laughs> with a couple of decks. Um, and this isn't an expensive card. It's... Uh, about two bucks, depending on where you're looking. I like the fact that it's a spend. I like the fact that people can see it coming because it means one of two things. They're either going to get as much stuff as possible to put the biggest board state out there they can, or they're going to try and figure out some way to stop it. And I love the political aspect of, hey, this person across the table just tried to stop everybody from trying to put all of their permanents onto the battlefield. That seems real mean. Go get them. I, it's a goofy card. I like this card a lot. Uh, what do you guys think? 
I also have misread it. I, I, I was understanding it the way you were as well and, and reading it and hearing you talk about it. I have to reevaluate that entirely because that plays much differently if it gives you the opportunity, if you have 20 cards in hand, essentially to play all 20, even once everyone else runs out. That's a much different thing than what I thought it was. That's very, very interesting. I like it. That's a good call. I'm pretty sure I actually had to ask Alex about this twice because I saw it the first time and I went, <laughs> he did. ooh, that's really cool. Does it mean this or this? And he told me. And I went, that's awesome. And then a year or so passed, and I went, wait a second. Does that mean this or this? <laughs> and I was more excited because I built more decks that this could go into. <laughs> and we we confirmed it, and I, I like this card a lot. Uh, what about you, Alex? Yeah, this is a very interesting card. Um, there's a couple of things that I want to say about this card. The first one is that this is from mm -hmm. Time Spiral. And it is based on an older card named Eureka. Yeah. Which is on the reserve list. Eureka basically has the same text. It's a sorcery for two green green. It has the exact same go around the table and show and tell. But it's on the reserve list. It was last printed in Legends. And it costs about uh, 500 times as much money. <laughs> it's just a little bit expensive. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, the, the second thing I wanted to bring up is that Hypergenesis is banned in Modern. Yeah! Yeah. I mean, neither of us are too familiar with Modern. I would imagine it's because of the of the sneak-and-show style value. Dana, do you know anything about Modern? Man, I, I don't. Not enough to know why that might be, might be banned. A Cascade no. thing, perhaps? But I, I don't know if that's correct either. Right. And that's another thing worth mentioning about this card, is that it has no mana cost. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it has mana cost zero. It means it has no mana cost. And because of that, you can't cast this spell under normal circumstances. You would need to do something like Dana said, where you cascade into it because the CMC is zero. So it's less than whatever cascade card you had, CMC one or above. Then you can cast it without paying its mana cost. And so you're good. Uh, because its CMC is zero, it has a color indicator if you look mm -hmm. at the Oracle text to tell you that it is, in fact, a green spell, even though there's no green mana pips in the cost. And that's all the all the little trivia I had to add to it. It's a very interesting card. It's part of the same cycle as uh, as the Living Death, Living End. There's several cards in the cycle. They're all fantastic. Um, and, and it's a great pick because it's, it's part of that same uh, symmetric play that we love to talk about, which is everybody gets to do it, but I'm prepared to take greater advantage of it, and therefore I'm going to vomit my 20-card <laughs> hand. And the rest of you are going to get maybe a little bit of value. And if you're an absolute monster, you can just play lands and let everybody put out all their stuff and then board wipe or do something terrible. Yeah, it, just, you know, if you're that kind board, of person, right? which <laughs> I, I've been that person before, but it's only because people were trying to do real mean stuff, like playing Winter Orb <laughs> and stuff like that off this, and that's not okay. Oh my god. Um, we're going to move on before I get upset uh, recalling the past year. Alex, what card do you have for us this week? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. So this week I have one of my favorite cards, jester's mask you got so excited about tying this one so, I'm so proud <laughs> um this is a five mana artifact that reads jester's mask enters the battlefield tapped and then it has an activated ability pay one tap and sacrifice it target opponent puts the cards from their hand on top of their library search that player's library for that many cards that player puts those cards into their hand and then shuffles their library so tldr what that means is you tutor that opponent a fresh hand of cards and the hand size is equal to their hand size when they started. And this has a remarkable amount of power in the game. You can do anything you want. There is a much more popular version of this card in black. It's called Head Games. And that card sees a lot more play. Number one, because it's a sorcery. So you can just cast it. It's three black black, and it's the exact same effect. Um, so you don't have to wait a turn. But if you're not in black, this is the only way that you can can do that. And and as we alluded to in one of the previous episodes where we talked about uh, one of my decks, you have two very powerful options here. You can either give somebody the piece they need to stop an imminent threat, uh, to complete something that they need maybe they need more lands you can just be nice to people or you can do what the card was probably intended to do and just draw them a hand full of either seven lands 
or depending on what state the game is in, uh, all of the most expensive cards in their deck that they can't cast. And they're screwed. Um, this is the ultimate hand attack effect, Mike. And, and I've played this several times. It's fantastic. The, the one downside, right, is the mana cost and the Nev's Disc style effect, where it ETB's tapped and then you have to tap it. So you can't do it right away unless you have Artifact on Tappers. But the effect is so grandiose and so impactful on the game that it's still worth it. So this card is on the reserve list, but because it's so narrow and so weird and political that people don't really play it. It's in 138 decks, which is uh, 0% of decks, and it only costs uh, about $8 despite not having been printed in uh, 20 years. So what do you think about this card, you two? Dana, why don't you go ahead and start? Um, I remember when this was a big deal. Like I, I, I actually played in, in Ice Age back in the day, and I remember when, when the Jester's Cap and Jester's Mask were both um, absolute terrors. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen it played in Commander, but like it absolutely shuts somebody yeah. down. Um, I don't want it used against me at all. So it's <laughs> completely effective, yeah. Well, that's that's okay, Dana, because we're a group hug and symmetric effects and politics. And <laughs> you know what? Sometimes we want to make sure that you just find the right answer in your deck if you've got it. Right answer to take out our number one opponent. And then sometimes... <laughs> uh, True. I think... I think maybe I'm gonna blame you for this, Alex. I think the talking of stacks and trying to get me to go a, a, not not from Jedi to Sith, but at least lean into the gray area as far as accepting stacks into my life a bit. I think that this is a card that I want to find some usage in a couple of different decks, just because, man, there's some people that I absolutely want to punish for running some stuff, and oh. Chef's gifts. It's so it's so mean, but at the same time, good. It could be great. It could be kind. I like that variability. I like this is a. It's very it's a good tool, right? You can use a tool that's powerful for great benevolence <laughs> or great evil, but you have to decide how you want to use that tool. A scalpel can heal, and it can absolutely eviscerate and injure. Fantastic, Jester's mask. You're such a weird looking card, and so fun. Um, so before we move on here, so Alex, you, you've done it again. You've, you've beaten me on, uh, a card that is in less, uh, my, my hyper Genesis is in 593 decks. Yours is in 138 of many more, uh, available decks. Gosh, Mike, how did, how did that, uh, and, and I, I sit here and usually it's, it's all right. Well, he, he knows more about the game and he's got more cards. That's okay. And I can, I can go to sleep after that i got beat twice this episode uh tina why don't you tell us about your card so my card is probably is is definitely less impactful than either of the two that, that you two mentioned um but my favorite card or one of my favorite cards in the game is knight's whisper which is a black sorcery for one and a black to draw two cards lose two okay. life i love knight's whisper i love sign in blood i love drawing two cards <laughs> Really, a really efficient card draw that just puts cards in my hand is absolutely my jam sure. and magic. And one of the things that blue tends to really lack, it has cheap filtering. It has like ponder effects or brainstorm, and it has ways to draw a bunch of cards, but it doesn't have a ton of really efficient ways to draw a couple cards. We've got some in the last few years. We got winged words. We got chart a course, but there's not a lot, and there's not a lot of instant speed. Um, so my card here is Latinam's Legacy. It's an old instant from way back in Alliances. It's a one in a blue, and you choose a card from your hand and shuffle that card into your library. Then draw two cards at the beginning of next turn's upkeep. So, so that's that. That was a thing they did back then for a brief period of time, where your your draws and your cantrips didn't kick in till the next turn's mm -hmm. upkeep. Um, why I like this so much is it's that hyper efficient. Two cards, shuffle a land back in. You get a free shuffle if you've just done something on the top of your library and you don't want it to have what's there. Um, and at two mana, that's kind of that sweet spot in blue where I'm going to leave two mana up for a counter spell and just in case something I don't want to deal with happens. And when it swings back around, okay, well, nobody played an Elish Norn or nobody tried to you know, wipe the board. I'm going to cast this Latin Legacy. I'm going to put two fresh cards in my hand. 
when it goes to my turn, I'm going to draw three, basically, right. you know, two at the start of your turn and, and one from your draw step and be ready to go again. So I think if you're somebody who's looking to put stuff in your graveyard, it's not great. There's better ways in blue to utilize that discard by putting it in your graveyard, but some decks don't care about that. And the, the little bit of extra efficiency, this costs two versus a lot of those blue effects cost three. Um, I'm a big fan of this in the right deck where you just want that, that, that kind of efficient blue draw and you're going to be oftentimes holding up two mana just in case for a counter spell. I like it a lot. And it's in 338 decks. So like you said, I, I, I just barely um, <laughs> split the difference there. I'm right in the middle for, for popularity on this one. It's, it's a card that I've used. And I think the problem is, is that I've used it incorrectly. Because I put it with some giddiness into... I made a Golos deck at one point. Just a big mana, battle cruisery spells Golos deck. And I put it in there originally to say, okay, well, here's this really big spell that I'm not going to be able to cast soon, naturally. So I'm going to put this in there. I'm going to put Latinam's Legacy in there to have a way to put that card back into my deck, get some different cards. Great. I didn't even think at the time of doing this to filter out too many lands or trying to find some lands or dig and just get fresh cards or anything along those lines or the simple fact that, hey, I'm going to keep up blue and well that's counterspell magic so this is a really good option right at the very least of baiting and and i i have this card and i like it a lot and i'm so sad that i've misused it for a decent amount of time well give it a try again i recommend it it's it's one i'm a fan of and i think it fills a niche that that in blue isn't filled by by too many other spells so so that's that's my pick i like it this is an interesting pick because it attacks the game from a direction that i'm not used to um and that's that's a very spiky competitive direction where to me this seems like this is the real grinders card like you're determining a specific amount of value that you can generate um you're thinking about your top deck manipulation you're thinking about the amount of card advantage you're getting per card to me this card is is like a lot of those other cards like brainstorm like ponder like preordain where you know the the good tournament players know what they're doing but for you it's all like three card monty like what's What's actually going on here? What are they actually doing? And uh, and that's interesting to me because for me, it's a bit of a black box. I don't tend to, to use cards in that same fashion. For, for me, I think the advantage is, like, I, I'm not really a combo player. So I'm usually not looking for a specific card. So, like, oftentimes, you know, the, the ponders and your brainstorms, you're looking to dig down to find something mm-hmm. in particular. Maybe not one card, but maybe one of a sequence of cards for some line of play. Um, I just want cards. Like I just right. want, I just want to have bulk cards in my hand. I don't care um, about a specific one. So that's that's to me. It's letting me trade a land for for two things, and I don't care what those things are. I just want two. You know, I want to trade that one for two. Um, technically, it's two for two because the spell itself. But yeah, it's it it's not quite a filter, and it's not quite a draw because it is a two for two effect. But um, yeah, it's it's in the sweet spot where I like to be at with my draw anyway. It's interesting. We just had a uh, a discussion. I think it was last episode or two episodes ago, where uh, one of the cards I picked was a, a blue draw spell that was another not popular one. And I don't think it really fits what qualities you're looking for in a blue draw spell, which is unconditional draw at instant speed. But uh, I don't know, Mike. Do you, do you think that he would be interested in shared discovery? I think he could be. I'm not even. It's not even. It's not even. So, shared discovery is is a is a sorcery for blue, and that's uh, it says as an additional cost to cast this spell, tap four untapped creatures you control, and then the effect says draw three cards. Oh wow! So, this card uh, we we featured it on a previous episode. It basically doesn't exist. Nobody knows about this card, and it's effectively ancestral recall at sorcery speed with the downside of you have to tap four creatures. So obviously you can't run it in every deck, right? But you can run it in every blue creature deck or every blue token deck. Is that the kind of like value that you appreciate? Because that's that's like where I like to come from. We we said that or or I said that's uh that one is none and two is one. So when I'm looking at a card advantage on on like your card, like you said you actually technically net zero, that's that's where I'm coming from, right? Is uh 
is that you're drawing two, you're really only drawing one. No, I, and since you're getting rid of a card, you, you draw zero. I like this a lot though because because I actually have a Talran yeah. deck that's it's not it's not heavy on counter spells. It has like you know five or six counter spells. It's not a traditional Talran deck, but it runs a ton of cantrips. So like I'm looking to for them in that deck cast spells like this for Latinam's Legacy to draw two cards, one of which will be a spell I can cast to make a Drake, and one of which, you know, which will drop me two cards, and, and I'm looking to, like, chain that and make a bunch of Drakes. This is actually quite good. I, it's not like I'm ever attacking with Talran. He's just sitting there. I'm not going to block with him either. So Talran's one of the four creatures I'd have to tap. That just leaves, you know, three Drakes, which are probably the ones I made this turn and couldn't attack with anyway. And, you know, they're, they're, they're potential blockers, I guess, but, like... I'll take a I'll take a hit if I can draw three cards. I'm fine with that. That's that is <laughs> a really good suggestion. I am um, putting that down as one to try out. Awesome. So what have we learned in another recap? Um, one, not only do I brainstorm wrong, but I Latinam's legacy wrong. And in the episode where I was super frustrated that I was going to get beaten twice on cards that uh, are in less decks than the one that I picked, you did a callback to another card that was also <laughs> in less decks than the one that I've picked. So I have lost two and a half to three times on this segment, and I think that's uh, good enough for me to move on. <laughs> um, so <laughs> oh, poor. Uh, it's all right. I'm only a little salty, not too much. So we have you here, and us at the social contract, we are very... Uh, political, card-based. We're very much on politics at the table at this, as we can be. And we're very pro-group hug and symmetrical effects as a part of that um, because we see a decent amount of power to that. And there's been some times on record where you've been... Uh, I don't know how you want to say it. <laughs> I, I, I'd say less enthusiastic Hostile. on those kind of effects. <laughs> um, I definitely am. Um so despite everything I said in the first half of this show, um, <laughs> talking, talking, talking about it, like I said, I also like to win. Yeah. And um, I don't think group hug decks help me win. I think they make it more difficult for me to win, and I think they oftentimes make my deck worse. Okay. So here's, here is what I'm going to try and do. Okay. Mike's already setting up an easel to like write down the 75. Uh, no, I'm down no, it. I, I, I'm, I'm open. I, I don't, first of all, I don't have to write them down because it doesn't matter. They're all in my head. Second of all, <laughs> I am, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a step back here. And I'm, go, I'm not sure. going to try and change your thinking, but I am going to try and massage it a little bit. Certainly. So, so <laughs> basically. Uh, so I'm going to let Alex take the lead here. But before I do. Uh, symmetric effects are fun if you know how to take advantage of them and there is nothing you that bet. feels better than giving everybody lots of stuff so they're not terribly mean to you and then immediately punishing them with all of the stuff that you've given them and now I'm going to back away. Alex, t help! Sure. Um, I think that we should really just go where, where Dana wants to go with this conversation which is that um, a, a group hug deck at the table is not necessarily a group hug deck for his deck. And I think that's an important distinction to make, right? Is because typically group hug decks are designed to very sort of homogeneously speed up um, and, and assist a larger variety of decks. But if your deck is already very just lean, mean, and low to the ground, very functional, and you know what you're doing, you know how to build a deck, um, really what group hug is doing is either uh, bringing everybody up to your level or even handicapping your deck, um, and I I understand where you can where you're coming from, feeling frustrated, um, but I don't think that's why we build those decks. It's not to to infuriate and frustrate people. Typically, it's for the other end of the spectrum, which is there are a lot of people, especially at my LGS, that they come in with a very weak decks. So maybe they're coming in with precons that are unmodified, and what I enjoy doing most of all is having a deck that allows their deck to work against other decks at the table, which is sure. what most of my group hugs are doing. Um, what's your response to that, Dan? Well, no, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Like, I, if, if someone has a deck with, like, 35 lands and, you know, seven, 65 variants on Crawworm and nothing else in that deck, if you're giving them the ability to play three lands per turn and, mm -hmm. um, you know, ramp out those Crawworms, like that deck's going to be fantastic if you are supplementing all of their 
all of the things they didn't bake into their deck. So you're 100% correct. Like there's nothing better for people that are new to the game who have designed a, you know, that's obviously an extreme example, but like have who have built a deck that's probably very flawed. Um, mm-hmm. Group hug deck papers over so many of those flaws and lets them play in a way they're unaccustomed to playing and perhaps even compete in a way they're unaccustomed to competing because, you know, they're so new to the game and, and they're, they're maybe very raw brewers. So the deck they've built is probably, you know, maybe not up to everyone else's. Sort of rough around the edge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. In, in, in that um, situation... Absolutely, it's it, it's fantastic. I, I think a lot of this too like comes down to definition. If you're playing that kind of deck to use in that kind of situation, that's a whole different deal. Or or if you're playing um, one of those decks that's group huggy, but it's also giving you advantage in a way beyond what the group hug thing is, that's a different thing too. Like uh, there's there's a whole lot of nuance to this. You know, I'll use Arcane Denial for example. Mm-hmm. Like Arcane Denial is giving your opponents two cards, but like that's not a group hug right. card. No, <laughs> you're 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 presumably stopping some horrifying spell from hitting the field, and they're getting two cards as compensation for the efficiency of your spell. But it's like not a group hug situation. There's plenty of decks that function that way too. Sylvala Explorer returned, or or uh, K and T, the the four color um, commander from represent. Yeah, <laughs> 2016, I think. Um, like it's it's on its surface kind of group huggy, but like both of those commanders give the the pilot more advantage right. than everyone else, and and they're definitely tweaking that to to their advantage. So while technically that's a group hug deck, it's a whole different beast than the 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 one I think of that you know you would see five six years ago where someone would be playing Feldegriff group hug, and there's just no plan beyond like we everyone gets cards and hippos and. And that's where it ends. I, th- I think I, that's like the kind of old school traditional definition of group hug. And I would wager you don't really see that very much anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent point. Is I think a lot of the conversation around group hug is based around that more antiquated definition that of a deck that does still exist. It's not like that deck doesn't exist right. anymore. But of the decks that have sort of supplicated it as as Wizards has printed... Uh, many new symmetric and political effects, which is how we like to talk about these. The the opportunities for a group hub deck have grown dramatically, and and that was one of the first things that I wanted to sort of attack here is, is that old reputation, right? That a group hub deck is a deck that can't reliably win. Right. And for me, I understand why you might want to build that deck. I don't have any of those decks. My group hub decks win the game and they win the game by uh sharing around the value early on and getting everybody ramped up and then i'm slowly over time breaking parity just like a stacks deck sure where i'm generating so much value that by the time that somebody wants to go for the win whoopsie daisy you can't i'm the only one who can win now um and that's we we talked about that in our in one Mm -hmm. of our earlier episodes that it is it's a it's a concept that's surprisingly difficult to nail down right there's it's such a blurry line between uh, group hug with no win con, uh, group hug with a political angle, and then chaos and stacks and all these symmetrical style archetypes that are much maligned, but really are just very vague and can also be difficult to construct. Um, and I'm glad we were able to find a little bit Absolutely. of common ground there. Uh, it also very very enthusiastic to go on EDH rec and look up some cards to make myself a. Uh, <laughs> A hyper competitive Feldegriff deck and see what I can run with it. Um, <laughs> oh lord, I, let's see it, man. I've got two really weird deck types I have to work on here: the Grand Calcutron and the competitive Feldegriff. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna make a Grand Calcutron deck. It's, it's, it's so. gonna be so bad and hopefully, like, functional. But if not, it'll be a still it'll still right. be a fun process. Well, right. Dana, I I hope at the very least we've massaged the thinking that uh, group hug can be useful um but at the same time i I like that you're coming from an area of hey it it can be if you're building towards it and frankly that's kind of what we're standing for here so hooray no fights were had everything is good all right um (laughs) i'll see you after the podcast (laughs) (laughs) well i'll tell you what i mean dana thank you very much for joining us today uh we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here where can people find you um you can find me um 
almost every Monday on Commander Central mm-hmm. with my two fantastic co-hosts, Max and Chris. You can catch me Wednesday nights on Twitch TV uh, slash EDH RecCast with my two excellent co-hosts, Matt and Joey from EDH RecCast. And we also are on uh, YouTube and podcast apps as well, most Fridays with EDH RecCast episode. Um, so tune in for any of those. I, I do write for EDH Rec as well, but I've been kind of slacking off the last couple of months. I had a lot of work projects, so I, I kind of went on a hiatus, but I'm hoping to start doing articles again here at some point in the next couple of weeks. So I should be available there as well. In the fairly uh, you also future. mentioned four or five different things that people can find you doing throughout the week before that. So I think I think you're allowed to give yourself a little bit of break on the writing when you get an opportunity. <laughs> uh, Alex, where can people find you? Sure. You can catch me on uh, my Twitter account, which is Lappermedic, L-A-P-P-E-R medic uh you can email me at alex at edhrec.com and uh you can catch us on anchor.fm or just find us on your favorite podcast website they're all listed from a twitter account which is edh underscore social or you can email our podcast at the social contract edh at gmail.com you made that so much easier for me. Oh. Dana, thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining us. Everyone, we'll be talking to you soon.